This is the ladies' first podcast. Welcome. My name is Miriam and my co-host is Feely, sitting here right next to me. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. This is the first episode of Ladies First, Wise Women Talking. We will focus on women, old women, wise women, women who will inspire and empower us through telling their life story. So let's just uh, jump right in, I'd say. Today we are meeting with Louise Schwartz. She just turned 85 years in May and we visited her a few weeks back when she was still juvenile 84. Yeah, she's a friend of Miriam and uh, that's how the contact came into place. And uh, she lives in New Jersey, which coming from Brooklyn was quite a ride. Yeah, it took us over an hour, a somewhat adventurous drive in a minibus, which basically kicked us out right at, um, at the side of a highway. And Louise's neighborhood rewarded for that. Nice family homes surrounded by lawn, trees. We were quite excited. Louise's house, charming, homey touch. We sat in the kitchen next to her studio where she still quilts, sews, but more to her artistic side later. Yeah, it was a very lovely house. And when we came in, she right away offered us coffee and how could we say no? So we said yes. Freshly brewed um, and with it in our mugs, we sat down at her kitchen table. Um, and as you said, Miriam, surrounded by her creativity, which when I was entering the house, I saw that in each room that I glimpsed into had its own spirit. There was a piano and um, her crafts laying around. So I really felt like she was living in all of them, although she's just living there by herself. I've been living in this house since 1963. Long time. So it's over 50 years. And, you know, I'm at the point where I think, should I really buy that? How long am I going to have it? And then I said, forget it. <laughs> Now, I just had that sofa. That doesn't belong there. That belongs upstairs in a bedroom. Mm -hmm. But I decided I loved the shape of it, and I just had it reupholstered, and I was willing to do it, you know. So I'll enjoy it for as long as I enjoy it. Yeah, and Louise was not always living there alone. She has a long life full of family behind her. She raised four kids and uh, two husbands. Well, she didn't <laughs> raise the husbands, but she had two husbands. Well, the first one, that was a mistake. <laughs> and but you I liked knew. his mom. No, I knew. I did. I liked his mom. And I knew it was a mistake. I was too young, really. Yeah, you had a feeling so back then that it wasn't, yeah. wasn't oh, yes. right yet. Yeah, I knew it was. I have uh, had a very good friend uh, at that time. She has since died. She said to me that I told her the night before I got married, because she slept over that night, I told her I didn't love him. Hmm. I said, yeah, it was true. But then my next husband, that was very good. He was like no one I had ever met. And still, I haven't met anyone like him. He had a sense of self. I don't even know if I can describe that. He knew himself, and he trusted himself. He didn't have a hidden agenda, ever. He always said what he felt. I didn't always like it, but he believed in himself, and he was strong. 
and I wanted that. Mm. I wanted that strength. She wanted that strength, and she can remember the first date with him very well. He said, well, uh, would I meet him in New York? Oh, no, I said, I, I teach. I, I have to be up early in the morning. I said, you'll have to come out here. He said, I have to come through the tunnel. I said, <laughs> I said yes. All right, he said. So he came out, and, uh, oh, the children were coughing. I think they had a cold and <laughs> crying. They didn't want me to go out. It was really awful. I had a babysitter, and off I went. And I go out, and I take a look at this car, and it was this blue Buick convertible oh. <laughs> with a medallion on the floor, you know. I thought, oh, what is this? Well, we went out for dinner, and I was amazed. He talked and listened and was so different from what I thought he was going to be. And when we get home, he said to me, if I don't call you again, it has nothing to do with you. It's, he says, I'm neurotic. So if I don't call you, I have enjoyed meeting you. I said, okay. I thought to myself, he's going to call me. Two o'clock in the morning, he called me. The same <laughs> night? The same, same night. night. Okay. How was he sure that he Isn't was that still up? <laughs> I wasn't up. <laughs> <laughs> and you talked to him or you were like, come on, call me tomorrow. <laughs> no. No, he just wanted to tell me that he was going to call me again and could we go out again. I said, yes, of course we can. <laughs> That's sweet. And that was it. Yeah, and then so that must have been like January and we got married in August. that beautiful they got to know each other they liked each other and then they got married right away it sounds so simple today everything seems more complicated probably also because we have more choices i mean she got married for the first time when she was only 19 today you think you finish school you learn something maybe you want to start a career and then you're all of a sudden 30 something yeah And even though that Louise very much had her own career, she was a successful entrepreneur and a designer. And I was really surprised when she started telling us the story. It totally came out of the blue. And funny enough, it came out of the blue for her as well, meaning the career in her life. Her then neighbor uh, brought her to the idea. It was funny. This uh, young woman moved in across the street and my oldest daughter had just been married and I made a quilt for her mm -hmm. and I think it was the first quilt I ever made and I it was so big that I had to take it out on the lawn so I could take a look at the whole thing because I wanted to do something else on top of it mm -hmm. and she saw me uh, she said oh would you teach me how to do that so I said well I won't teach you but 
you can come over and you can sit with me and watch me work. She was very entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. She said, we can go into business. I said, well, how about evening bags? We can do the same thing, quilted, beaded, you know, make them really fancy. People spend a lot of money for that. So we did. We made some design. And she was an artist, which was mm -hmm. great. She could draw. My drawing was poor. So here I had her. She could do it for me. And we made some of these bags. And we started going around. She said, oh, I'm going to call and make appointments. I knew none of that stuff. What really struck me there was that she said that she needed this friend to start making a business. Someone that told her, let's do it. And I always feel that sometimes you really need that, that push mm -hmm. or someone else that you can share your idea with. And then well, that's how the podcast came <laughs> yeah, together. <that's> <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I certainly can identify very much with that. I also always have my head full of ideas, uh, but to actually get going and put things into action, then I'm rather lazy and I procrastinate on things. Unless someone else says, come on, let's do it. You've got a deadline. Yeah, I'm the same. <laughs> I always feel guilty for not being ambitious enough out of my own, especially in nowadays culture where it's always about you have to have a goal, you have to have a dream and you have to put yourself out there. And Louise took that a bit that I felt guilty for that. So it turns out she had a fulfilling life with lots of achievements. And most of them started with a push from outside, from someone else, from circumstances, from destiny. Opportunities do float by and you've got to grab them. And then she made an appointment, which a store is not even there anymore, Bombwood Tellers. Do you know that name? <laughs> oh, it's a beautiful Fifth Avenue store. And everybody went there to get children's clothes. It had everything and lots of designer work. It was on Fifth Avenue. But people always went for children's clothes. Well, we made an appointment and we went. And they said, yes. And how many dozen? Do you know, a few dozen of these things. And my God, we were shocked. I got downstairs and I went. They had pay phones on the street. I went to the phone. I called my husband. You won't believe it. They bought this. And he said, so who's going to make them? <laughs> <laughs> and then once, once Best in Company bought, then everybody bought. Well, and, and then it just went on. Um, and she found a group of women who had a, the equipment and space to sue all of that. And a few weeks later, Louise found herself standing in front of Bloomingdale's in the middle of Manhattan. And then a friend called me one morning. We're both sitting around and working and drinking coffee, you know. And a friend calls and says, you won't believe it. Your stuff is sitting in the middle of Bloomingdale's in a glass case. You've got to come look. <laughs> we got so excited. We ran out into the car. We were just like dressed like slobs <laughs> into New York to and standing there and looking at these bags. It was exciting. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it turns out Louise had a good run being a businesswoman. After the bags, they started to produce vests and then skirts. And she had a bunch of employees and made good money. And I stayed in business for seven years. And it was, it was exciting. Until I started worrying. I really was... It got too big. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I had to have an accountant. I had to have a bookkeeper. I had to be depositing checks to the government every week for the workers who were working for me. It was a cottage industry, and I felt responsible for all these women, and I was not sleeping. Mm-hmm. So I said to my partner, I have to, I have to end this. I really have to get out of it. And that was a big relief. I never mm-hmm. regretted leaving that. After that, she worked as a teacher again. She took the time to care for her family. The two husbands led to four children, as I said earlier. Unbelievable how she managed that next to her business and her career. But I have, you know, four children and I have nine grandchildren. And I even have a great-granddaughter now. That's pretty exciting. Congratulations. (laughs) So while I'm not... I'm not terribly involved with my grandchildren, a little bit. You know, at times I have been very much so. Mm -hmm. Um, When they were old enough to go places with me, I loved to go to the museums. And I had a few grandchildren who also loved going to museums. So so those went to a lot of places Mm -hmm. with me. I think looking at the fact that I know my kids really love me, I think that's the biggest thing. I think that is my reason, my big reason for going on. Aside from the fact that I'm so interested in everything, that gives me a real reason that I have that group and they really care about me. Yeah, and it seems that this caring and being in a close relationship with everyone in her life that that was, besides being entrepreneurial and always adventurous and so on, but that was the recurring theme in her life. And um, that also gave her always new impulses and led from one thing to another. And I think that this is very encouraging, that it is possible to just follow a path and that you don't necessarily have to have figured it all out up front. I never planned. I never planned. It's... You know, I don't often talk about that. It's something I'm not proud of. Why is that? Why Why do you think society wants us to have goals? and Or why do we feel pressured to have a goal? Or at least I do sometimes feel pressured that I should have a goal. <laughs> well, it, it takes the fear out of your day-to-day life if you're working towards something. If you're not working towards something and you stop and you think about it, That's scary. When I had my children at home, I didn't have to think about it. I had a a responsibility. And I took care of my children. And then my husband, we were married. I had more children. And by the time I had my last child out of the house, I had a grandchild. So there was always, I always had a responsibility to take care of someone Yeah, Louise is really an interesting persona, and I was surprised to see her at like 85 or 84 when we met her, and um, looking back to a life with so many adventures and so many things, and 
I really felt encouraged and empowered, and I thought I I had learned a lot from her. Um, how do, how do you feel? Yeah. yeah, and even the whole thing that she sat down with us to talk with us was also, you know, pretty much out of the blue. I texted her because she's the aunt of a friend of mine, and she was totally like, "Yeah, sure, opportunity, come by. I'm happy to sit down with a coffee and chat with you." And it's just, you know, life is just moment by moment, day by day, and taking chances whenever you can. Maybe have some short-term goals, but yeah, not being overly traumatic if, you know, you sometimes feel lost or you sometimes did something for a while like the career and then you choose not to have the career again uh, any further. So I think that's that's very, that was kind of like the outcome, that she had such a successful life without without having a plan really comes down to that yeah and i i asked her at one point if she felt that being a woman was like a problem for her during her career and she said no because she just always went along when there were obstacles in the way she just walked around it and then things changed and um and i also think that it's very uh, interesting that she took care of her family and that she was always very involved but always also always very independent but she still like all human beings like even the the strongest ones they need people to to support them powerful relationships human sidekicks at their side friends family heart people that can carry you through the difficult times and i think that is the only way that everybody can live up to their full potential and to feel safe and to feel empowered even like when when there is some downtime and the love to louise's second husband i think was very important for that has been the main supporting pillar in her life at, at least that's how it seems. He was so natural. Just so natural. Mm. I really loved that. So then I could be natural. Mm. You know, I didn't have to pretend I was anybody but who I was. When I spoke to him, I just didn't even have a picture of myself. It was just, we were just communicating. It was great. You know, sometimes when you're talking to someone who makes you a little uncomfortable, you're aware of yourself in this conversation. And when I would start to talk to him, it was just like, n not even words, you know, just back and forth. It was great. He had dementia towards the end. And he got sweeter and sweeter. It was, un it was crazy. He was always concerned about the children. You know, are they okay? Are you sure they're all right? They come in, do you need anything? And then things progressed. And he'd say, I really enjoyed talking to you. What's our relationship? <laughs> <laughs> It's so sweet. <laughs> I say, you're so lucky. <laughs> and then one day he was... But very polite. Yes. Still yes. very polite within yes. what he said. Like that <laughs> one day he's sitting at the table and he looks down there and he says, This is a beautiful house. I think we could buy it. <laughs> so lucky. As we were getting towards the end, he'd be in bed. I'd go in and take a shower. The bathroom is right there. I'd come out of the shower. I'd be wrapped in a towel. And I'd walk in and look at him. I'd say, you're so beautiful. So beautiful. Till the day he died. <laughs> it was really amazing. It was amazing. Sounds very precious. I just yeah. don't have any bad feelings about that time. 
the night he died, it was January 2nd, and my daughter Jessie came to sleep over. Not that we knew this was happening, but we knew we were, it was had to be soon. Then we both went to sleep, and Jessie lay down on the floor right next to the bed. And then during the night, I guess around 4 o'clock in the morning, I heard some sounds that I knew were not good sounds. And in about half an hour, Lenny died. And then I remember I put my hand on his thigh and it was still warm. And I said, oh, that's good. I'm glad his thigh is warm. <laughs> and then I called hospice and they came and whatever mm. we did. I don't, really don't remember anything after that. That was Luise Schwarz, who always was inspired by life and never really strictly planned anything and uh, never had to worry about any motivation because she was always just interested in everything that happened along the way. And she, even, she never even worried about age. And I think that is something that, like, I'm 31 and... I, not old, but still, I'm a woman, I'm 31, yeah? Everyone knows that um, you start to worry or you start to think about age. And I think um, she, she never really thought about it. It's crazy. Age is a crazy thing. If you're healthy, you just don't feel it. I don't feel... I mean, maybe I feel 40. I just don't feel it and I know what I look like but I don't see that subjectively that's not what I look like and when I look in the mirror I'm always surprised because oh my god when did when did all that happen uh, but it's okay I'm certainly not going to do anything about it and it doesn't count If, you're, if you can just stay healthy, that's all that counts. That was it, our first episode, Ladies First, Wise Women Talking. Thank you very much for tuning in. We're planning on talking to a lot of interesting, wise and a little bit older women in the future on this podcast. And my name is Miriam Brand. This is one of uh, the short-term goals that I had to do a podcast. And luckily, Feli had the same short-term goal. So we uh, paired up for this. Yeah, and I'm really happy that we are now starting to talk to women and sharing their life story with you. And also we are going to learn something. <laughs> oh.
hopefully, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, tune in next time. Stay wise, stay tuned. Thank you very much for listening. Bye.